morning, as we look at the, the Sermon on the Mount, the greatest message ever preached, we want to take a, and give you an overview of what the Beatitudes are like. And this morning, we're gonna, we'll look at the pursuit of happiness, because that really is all of our desires. That is, that is a great question that confronts all of mankind. How can I be happy? How can I attain happiness? And while the world looks and, and runs after this pursuit of happiness... We think so often that, that money, more of it and lots of it, will equal happiness. And we believe that when we find love, then we will have, have happiness. If I get that new car, that will equal happiness. Or I get that, that new nose that I've so desired and I really do need one, then I will be happy. You know, if I get these things, if I, if I have status, if I'm important, if I have a job where people look up to me and, and have to report to me, then I will be happy. And so the pursuit of happiness takes us in, in so many wrong directions. You know, we want to be happy, and so, so we, we use drugs and alcohol to make us appear and feel to be happy for a little bit. But that happiness always goes away. You see, because the problem of pursuing happiness, the way that the world pursues happiness, is always it leads to disappointment. When we realize that that new car doesn't really make me any happier than I was before. You know, that new job, uh, that more status doesn't really make me happier. You know, I wish, or don't you wish that Jesus would have just told us, here are some steps. This is how you find happiness. In your pursuit of happiness, this is how you do it. Don't you wish that, that we just had this, this list of things that, 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 would, that we could look at and say, this is what makes us happy. Well, do you know, Jesus really did do that. In the book of Matthew, he gives us steps on how to attain happiness. If you would, turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. It's called, and the beginning of, of the Sermon on the Mount is, is called the, the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes are our way to happiness. At the beginning of, of the Beatitudes, Jesus says, Blessed are those. That word blessed which um, the, the word beatitude is derived from a Latin word meaning happy or blessed. And this word that Jesus used in the Greek implies an inner satisfaction and sufficiency that doesn't depend on outward circumstances or things. See, when Jesus uses this word, he's not saying, you know, if things go right in your life, if things on the outside are good, then we will be happy. That so often is the way that we think. If things on the outside, if I have lots of money and lots of friends and an easy life, then I will be happy. But Jesus throws a, throws a wrench into all this when, when he shows us how to be happy. He says, you know, it says that when he, when he saw the crowds, uh, he went up on a mountainside and his disciples came to him and he began teaching them saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, 
for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they will be filled. Now, do any of those things sound like they would make you happy? Being poor in spirit, mourning, being meek? Do those things sound like they would be happiness and euphoria? And he goes on, he says, Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they will be filled. When was the last time that when you were hungry and thirsty, that you were happy? But he says, blessed are those who who hunger and thirst, for they will be filled. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. And he says, blessed are those of you who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Now, let me ask you a question. When was the last time that you were persecuted that it really made you happy? This, this doesn't seem to make sense, these steps to happiness that, that Jesus is showing us. It's this great paradox. The Beatitudes are, are, are a great contrast to the worldly notion of what blessedness and happiness are. Because what just on the outward, it would seem like none of those things really make me happy, do they? Well, let's look at them. Because, you know, in 1 Corinthians, Paul, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, Paul tells us that the message about the cross is nonsense. And to those who are being, to those who are being destroyed, but it is God's power to us who are being saved. You see, to the world... Uh, to the person that hasn't accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior, uh, the Sermon on the Mount really makes no sense. But, 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 but as you understand this Sermon on the Mount, it's life-changing, it's transformational. And I hope that, that you take the time to study it and, and, and to memorize it. Because for those of you that have children in children's ministry over the, this, the rest of this summer, they're, they're doing a series called YouTube which is all about, about the Beatitudes. And so take time to teach your children and learn with them these, this great um, teaching that Jesus um, gave to his disciples. So he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Now that word poor in spirit literally means to have nothing, to be reduced to begging a, like a beggar, totally broke. Now, how many of you would feel happy if you would be out on the streets begging and you are totally broke? You see, what we have to understand is, is this Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes aren't talking about physical. It's not talking about poor in spirit being the person that is poor and can't afford to buy food or clothes or anything like that. It's talking about our spiritual state until I understand that I am completely poor in spirit, that I am a beggar, I am broken, I am completely... Um, worthless spiritually before God, then, then I have a problem. What Jesus is saying, look, you have to be broken in spirit. You have to understand that you are reduced to a beggar. You are totally broke. It's not until you understand that that you understand the need to have Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. 
You know, too many people today, I, I see this way too often, people want to accept Jesus as a Savior so they don't go to hell, but they don't understand their brokenness. They don't understand their complete need, their depravity and their need for Jesus Christ as their Savior. You see, we have to understand that first and foremost, that before God we are completely lost. And it's only through Jesus Christ that I can be saved, and I absolutely need that if I want to be saved. You know, Paul, John in 1 John chapter 2 talks about the pride of life. And this, this poor in spirit is the opposite of pride of life. It's getting rid of that pride and humbling ourselves before a holy God and understanding the need to do that. Poverty of spirit is the root of all of these virtues. It is how I view myself in light of God. And Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You see, he always says, he gives this command, happy you will you. And some of your Bibles will translate this word blessed as happy. Happy are those who are poor in spirit. And he says, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And all the way through, happy are you. And then the promise, yours is. So happy are you if you are poor in spirit, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. Now, the kingdom of heaven is twofold. It is the here and now. The day I accept Jesus Christ, I receive the Holy Spirit. And in Luke chapter 17, verse 20, it says, Once having been asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, and the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven are the same thing, um, just, um, just communicated differently, but they mean the same thing. Jesus replied, The kingdom of God does not come with your careful observation nor will people say, here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is within you. But the kingdom of God is also to come. The day when the new heaven and the new earth are set up, the kingdom of heaven will be here. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then he goes on, he says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. You see, once you understand that you are poor in spirit, it causes you to mourn, to, to mourn your sinfulness. But there's a difference between godly sorrow and worldly sorrow. You, you know, people are sorry, and, and you, we see that, the difference between the way Peter was sorrowful and the way that Judas was sorrowful. You know, when Peter denied Jesus, it says that he wept bitterly. His grieving, he was grieving for his failure, but his, but his grieving led to repentance and a restored relationship with Jesus Christ. But when Judas, when he mourned, it says that he was seized with remorse when he realized what he had done wrong. But Judas, his reaction to being, to being gripped with remorse was he went out and he committed suicide. You see, godly sorrow produces repentance. Worldly sorrow just produces more guilt. But I have to understand that, that when I am poor in spirit, that should cause me to mourn. And when I mourn for my sinfulness... Jesus says that you will be comforted. 
Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Now that, that, that word comforted isn't, doesn't just mean soothing or consoling. When we turn to God, that word literally means that will, God will call us to his side. He will comfort us. He will come to our rescue. So blessed are those who mourn, for God will come to your rescue. Jesus told us, he said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. And some of you are sitting here this morning, and you are weary and you are burdened. What Jesus is saying, blessed are those of you who mourn for your sinfulness, for for I will comfort you. I will come to your side. I will rescue you. And so the poor in spirit who mourn over their brokenness, that causes us then to have a better view of ourselves, which will make us meek. And he says, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Now, this word meek doesn't imply that we're weak or we're sad or we're subdued. You know, often when we think of somebody meek, we think of somebody that walks with their head hanging down and never lift their eyes to look. But meekness has the idea of strength here. It takes a strong person to be meek. And meekness is an outward expression of an inward humility. It is strength and spiritual poise. And a meek person walks in, in, in godly peace. A meek person doesn't focus on revenge. A meek person focuses on, 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 on being what God has created them to be. He says, blessed are the meek, those who have a right view of themselves for They will inherit the earth. The meek will one day be heirs and partakers in the kingdom of God. It is a promise that one day those who who recognize their need for God will, will rule with him in the coming eternal kingdom. So blessed are those who are meek. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. And he says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they will be filled. You see this progression here. You see that um, blessed are those who, what's the first one? I forgot. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, because being poor in spirit causes us to mourn over our sinfulness which allows us to have a right view of ourselves, blessed are the meek. And then that causes us to have a hunger and a thirst for what is right. It says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst, for they will be filled. You see, that gives us a desire when we see our need. It gives us, when we see our right view before God, it gives us a hunger to be right with him. And he says, you will be filled. You see, it is our job to hunger and thirst. And and the way that we fill ourselves is we fill ourselves with the word of God. And this idea of being filled has the idea of feeding an animal until they want nothing more. 
until they're completely satisfied. So what Jesus is saying is, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they will be filled to fullness. They have no need for anything more. Now, some of you eat like that. You fill yourself till there's just no room for anything else. Then you shake a little bit and you eat just a little bit more. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst, for they will be filled to complete satisfaction. It's our part to seek. It's God's part to fulfill and satisfy. But we have too many people today that that are spiritually starving to death. You know, when was the last time that you, that you read, that you, that you feasted from God's word until you were full and satisfied? And here's the neat part about the Beatitudes. You know, there, there's a shift now here in the Beatitudes. The first four Beatitudes deal with inner principles. Principles of the heart and the mind. They concern the, with, with the way that we see ourselves before God. And then the last four are the outward manifestations of a new attitude in the, way, in, in the way that we view things. He says, now, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown merciful. Now, a merciful person has compassion, is helpful and kind and giving towards the weak and the sick and the poor. Jesus' ministry was marked by this compassion and love for people and especially for the unfortunate. And we're to have that same attitude. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Now this word mercy, was shown mercy, it doesn't mean that people will always be nice to us. This is God showing mercy towards us. And this mercy that we have for other people comes out of the realization that God has shown us mercy through his son, Jesus Christ. And how can we not extend forgiveness and show mercy to other people when God has been so merciful to us? How can I be judgmental towards other people when, when, when God has loved me through Jesus Christ and forgiven my sins? How can I not forgive another person's sin when God has forgiven me? Blessed are the merciful. And we can be merciful when we understand what he's done for us. And he says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And we become pure in heart through this process of sanctification. Because in and of ourselves, we can't be pure. But when we have been poor in spirit and, and mourned and find ourselves meek in a right view before God... And we go to him and we ask forgiveness. Then our, our hearts are purified. Blessed are the pure in heart. For they will see God. And I love this, this for they will see God. It, the, the actual translation of that is they shall be continually seeing God for themselves. He said, we are pure in heart. When our hearts are right with God, we will continually see him through his word and through prayer and through meditating, we will see him. We will see him working through us. The pure in heart will have an intimate knowledge 
of an ongoing fellowship with God. Is, does, that, does that communicate what your relationship with him is like? An intimate, ongoing fellowship with him? Because Jesus says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will have an intimate, ongoing knowledge of him. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Jesus in Luke 26 said, but I tell you, love your enemies. Do do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you and pray for those who mistreat you. Be a peacemaker. You know, so often we're, we're so busy fighting for our rights and looking out for ourselves that we don't have the time or we don't have, have, have the, the, the insight to be peacemakers. You know, as Christ followers, that should be our signature, being peacemakers, being at peace with the people around us even when they hurt us, even when they do things against us. Are you a peacemaker? Or are you one of those people that's just constantly stirring things up and making people mad and gossiping and carrying on and getting people riled up about things at work or or things at school? Are you a peacemaker? Because that's the signature of a Christ follower. People will look at us and say, He's a Christ follower because I see him loving others. I see him working and and, and bringing peace. says, blessed are the peacemaker, for they will be called sons of God. People will see something in us. There's a Christ follower. There's a child of God. I see it the way that they act because they're a peacemaker. This last one I really don't like. It says, blessed are those of you who are persecuted. Now, here's what I, as I read this, I'm not sure if this is why Jesus said this, but, but I believe when we live our lives the way that these first seven Beatitudes, when we become poor in spirit, when we're meek, when we mourn, and then when we are merciful, when we follow Christ, I believe we will be persecuted. But we don't like that. I don't like that. How can I be happy when I'm getting beat up or made? And, you know, in America, you know, persecution is is nothing. I mean, we we feel persecuted when, when somebody makes fun of our faith, calls us a Bible thumper or or crazy Christians. But, you know, there are people, there are brothers and sisters in Christ that have their tongues ripped out for confessing the name of Jesus, who have their heads cut off for confessing Christ. But Jesus promises us here. He says, blessed are those of you who are persecuted for righteousness. There, here's the word again. For yours is the kingdom of heaven. You see, our promises, we have to look for these promises ahead. You know, it's not always the here and now. Jesus is speaking about eternal promises. Blessed are those who are persecuted, who are pursued, who are run after, who are hunted down. You know, Paul had a good perspective on this. In Philippians chapter 3, he says, I want to know Christ 
and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his suffering, becoming like him in his death and somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Paul wanted to be a part of that persecution. He wanted to suffer with Christ. Then Paul says in Romans 8, 18, I consider all, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed to us. Paul was looking ahead and saying, the persecution that I receive here on earth is nothing compared to what my inheritance will be. Paul knew what the pursuit of happiness really was. The question is, do you and I understand the pursuit of happiness and are we pursuing that in a Christ-like way, in the way that Jesus taught us? Are we pursuing that in the way the world tells us to pursue it? That's the question. So Jesus gives us eight steps to happiness. Being poor in spirit. Mourning. Being meek. Hungering and thirsting, being merciful, being pure in heart, being a peacemaker, and then being persecuted. Blessed are you, happy are you when these are the things that you do. And remember at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said that he who hears these words of mine, and puts them in practice is like a man who built his house upon a rock. The storms came, but they did not. They did not tear down the house. Our faith has to be built on the solid foundation of Jesus Christ. And I think to understand how you live out the rest of the Sermon on the Mount, I have to understand these beatitudes that Jesus speaks at the beginning of his message. So how are you doing in your pursuit of happiness? And how, are, how am I, how are you through your actions, teaching your children and those around you how to pursue happiness? It's completely contradictory to what the world teaches. It is a paradox. But I believe it is a guaranteed way. And Jesus told us, happy will you be if you live life this way. But the great promise is because yours will be the kingdom of heaven. There's something great in store for you if you live this way. Stand with me. Let's pray. Father God, as we... Hear these words of yours, and there's a lot here to, to, to process and to think about. But Lord, I pray that you would empower us and strengthen us to live life this way. Lord, I pray this week, Lord, that we would all take a good look at ourselves, that, that we would be poor in spirit, that we would get a right view of ourselves and and. And understand our, our complete depravity before you. And our, our, our complete need for you. And, and, and Lord, that would cause us uh, to mourn and, and to be meek. And, and to hunger and to thirst after righteousness. Lord, that we would have a right view of ourselves before you. 
before you and we would understand the incredible gift that we receive through accepting you as Lord and Savior. And Lord, that that we would be merciful. We would be peacemakers. Lord, we would show, not, not just talk about the way that you live your life, Christian life, but Lord, we would live out our faith. That people would look at us and, and see that we are sons of God. Father, empower us. Give us desire to live our lives the way that this Sermon on the Mount teaches us to live life. And Father, as we, as we leave from here, I just pray for all of us that, that you would empower us to live this life. This Christian life, the way you designed us to live it. I pray in the precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.